would like to confirm or assure or concur with the statement of, that the two elders have made concerning home missions. I encourage you to look at that insert in your bulletin very carefully. Give it serious consideration. This is the work of the Lord. This is what we agree to do, to be servants of His, because indeed it is witness, it is written, that we are to be His servants and we are to take the word into all the world. Again, that doesn't apply just to a few. That applies to each one of us. And we each have a part in this. So again, give it serious consideration. You're committing yourself not to home mission. You're committing yourself not to just a work that the elders are considering. You're committing yourself to the Lord. You're reaffirming to God what He has done for you and what He can do through you as you desire to serve Him and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. It's a growing process along the way as we find as we're looking in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. It's interesting, as mentioned in the auditorium class this morning, to think about Jesus, why he came, and as he lived his life on this earth, how he was received. He took special care in choosing the twelve that would be called apostles, that he in time would give what we call a great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He would work with them for three, about three, three and a half years, teaching them what it is that God would have to do and confirming what the scriptures had taught from years gone by. And it's interesting again that they had so misunderstood what was being taught. That he had talked about, scriptures had foretold, that he would be betrayed, he'd be crucified, he'd be raised again that third day. They had read that in their scriptures, but they had forgotten. Even after he was crucified and buried in the tomb. The women who came to the tomb to not see a, ris a risen Lord but who came to the tomb to finish the burial process of the one who had been crucified on the cross. But he was not there. As they shared that news with the disciples, they also did not believe. They had heard from his mouth, through his ministry, exactly what would take place. But they did not believe that message. We've been given a message as well. 
We've been alluding to it and reminding ourselves of it. We are to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. We do it in a variety of different ways, but first of all, we need to be convinced, convicted, and assured that the message is a message from God. Not our choice, it's God's will. But will we be willing to do that? After the resurrection, and after the disciples being assured that this Jesus was indeed who he said he was, look at my hands, my side. Understand that this I am he that had laid in that tomb for those three days. He travels a road towards Emmaus, meets two disciples on the way, and begins to discuss with them what had taken place. They're still wrestling with it, trying to understand this message of the resurrection, this message of a new covenant that would be coming. It's not new news for them. They had read their scriptures. They had read Jeremiah. They had read Isaiah. They read the other prophets. They read the Psalms. And they understood that there was coming a day when God would establish a new covenant with his people. So as he discusses his situation with the two on the road to Emmaus, verse 27 it says of Luke 24, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And it still took them a while to understand. We need to realize this new change, this new way of believing. And these disciples are wrestling with what they were hearing. The heart burned within them in verse 32 as he talked to us on the road while he opened the scriptures to us. When they return to Jerusalem, they meet with the disciples, and then Jesus is in the midst of them. Notice as we read down in verse 37, 38, they were terrified and frightened. They have seen the risen Christ standing in their midst. And they are terrified. They suppose they had seen a spirit. Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And he showed him his hands and his feet. But notice 41. 
they still did not believe. And we wonder why at times people struggle with their faith. You're asked to believe in something that seems so unnatural for the world in which we live. And to hear that what I have believed for the Jews all of my life, for all the life of my fathers and my forefathers, for as long as you want to go back, we have had what we know came from God. And this that Jesus is bringing, we don't know about. Even though he had assured them, declared to them, that everything that they had read in the scriptures, Jesus indeed fulfilled. That there was going to be an end to this covenant of Moses. And there would be a new covenant where the commandments were not written in tables of stone or on printed paper for us, but be written on the heart. And they're struggling to comprehend what is coming their way. Have you any food here? Gave them a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb he took and ate in their mess. Verse 44. These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. How many people read the scriptures but have missed the message that is in them? We read the scriptures and we read about Jesus in Judea. We read about the disciples going forth with the message to all the world in response to what we call the Great Commission. We read it oftentimes as history. This is what they did. And Jesus is telling his disciples who had been so accustomed to the reading of the old scriptures That Jesus defines the three divisions of the scriptures, the law of Moses, the writings of the prophets, and the Psalms, and that they all spoke of this Messiah. They looked so long they had forgotten to see what really had transpired in their own midst. Do we see God in our midst? We look forward to heaven. We look forward to that eternal day where we can be with him around the throne. To sing the song. To praise God. To do his bidding, however that may be. Do we forget 
that he's in our midst? Do we forget that there is something that he has for us to do? So many times we have individuals that are looking to have their needs met. I'm not getting anything out of that. I need to go where I can be ministered to. We're to minister to Jesus. That's our job, to serve him. And in serving him, we will find the fulfillment that we need. But we need to be willing to give that attention to him. He would remind them as he went on, as he opened their minds in verse 45 to understand the scriptures. He told them that this is what is written, that the Messiah was suffering, rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and that they were witnesses of these things. He would tell them what was to take place. The scriptures had already told that. But this Messiah, this new Redeemer, a message would be preached to all nations. The Jews, by the time of Jesus and long before that, had believed that God's covenant was for them exclusively. And they did not understand the Messiah, even though the Scripture had told what would happen to that Messiah in Isaiah 53 and other places, for example. What he would go through, that he would suffer, that he would be crucified, and that he would be raised again that third day. Jesus taught that through his ministry, as it was in the days of uh, of Jonah. So would the Son of Man be three days in the belly of the earth, and that he would come forth. But they'd missed that. They'd missed that this Savior was the Redeemer of all humanity not just the Jews, that all would have equal footing in this new kingdom. They had prided themselves. Paul talks about that. Saul of Tarsus at the time would talk about his ranking, if you will, in the realm of Judea, Judaism, I'm a Pharisee of all Pharisees, of the strictest sect of the Jews. Member of the, what we would call the Sanhedrin, the high council of the Jews. Risen up, well respected. 
and he would learn there's a different order in this kingdom of God. He who is least among you is the one who is the greatest. He who humbles himself to serve would be the great one. But it's interesting, at least to me, as I read the account here and think about it, of how they, how could they, but how did they miss his message? How could they see the miracles, hear the teaching, hear the confirmation from their scriptures, and miss the message of a Savior who left the glory of heaven to die on that cruel cross, die on that cruel cross, to redeem not the select few of Judaism, but to redeem the human race that had departed from him, the Jews included. They were so caught up in themselves that they had forgotten who they were and what their task was. Did that ever come down to us? Do we get caught up in who we think we are? That we forget whose we are. We're God's. Do we forget how God chooses to work? We understand by looking around, we understand by life itself, that we are unique individuals. There's no two of us exactly alike. Thank goodness. At least for this point of view, there's no two of us exactly alike. We each have different talents and capabilities. Deep, different uh, temperaments. Different patience. Different long-suffering. Different understanding. But that there is a God who can take each one of us and mold us and shape us into the vessel of his choosing. As Jesus explained who he was, based upon what the scriptures have given, instructed them to go into Jerusalem and to wait till they received the power from on high. That would happen on the day of Pentecost. Luke's second book, the book of Acts, reminds us that he spent 40 days with them, reaffirming and convincing them of who he was. They'd walked with him. They saw him after his resurrection. Seeing was believing. They touched his hands, his feet. His side, saw him eat fish, convinced that he was who he said he was, 
And he would spend 40 days convincing them again of who he was. And in Acts 2, on that day of Pentecost, as they preached, Peter and the rest of the apostles preached that gospel sermon, and 3,000 obeyed, about 3,000 souls obeyed. But as I read on, I read that they were still going to the Jews only. Acts 8 reminds us they were persecuted. They were scattered abroad. They went everywhere preaching the word. The scriptures also say to the Jews only. They had still not comprehended the magnitude of the task they had been given. Are we any different? Are we? Are we any different? We have the record of his word, of his will, of his desire. We have a record of who God is and what he's capable of doing. We have a record of what he wants done and how he wants it done. Do we believe? Do we believe? How many of us this morning will check that that box, yes? How many? Yes, I will be involved in the work of the Lord here at the downtown congregation in Cedar Hill. I will be involved in that work. How many will check the yes box? And how many will think, well, they already know? Or how many will think, you know, wow, I I do not know if I have enough time or I can do that. That's a big commitment. It is. But as a child of God, you've already made that commitment, have you not? When you became a child of God, you crucified the old self of sin. You were buried in the watery grave of baptism. You were raised to walk a brand new life, a child of the living God. Your faith, your hope, your strength... And your anticipation is because of what Jesus has done for you through Christ. Or through what God has done through you for you through Christ. Where what will we do as we serve the Lord? We're going to sing the song Where He Leads, I'll follow. You listen to those words, please. You're singing them from your heart. You're singing them from your heart to God. 
And you're saying that wherever he leads, you will follow. The question is it true? Is it true? Is that your desire? Is that your hope? Is it true? Where he leads, I will follow. You need to make a change or adjustment in your life to be able to say, yes, I will. We encourage you to consider that this morning. If there's any way that we can encourage you or help you, indeed, if you need to respond, we beg with you to come as together we stand and sing.